ESPN Radio. Remix right there because it's Candy and Coleman on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, ESPN Plus, Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Had to get all of that stuff out of the way because I'm rocking with the big <laughs> homie, the OG Freddie Coleman. And as always, the number to tap in on is 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Freddie, we had a big time weekend in the association. NBA action wall to wall. It was exciting to watch. For the first time in a long time, I was locked in on my couch on Sunday, Mm -hmm. and I watched all four NBA games that were on primetime. It was pretty incredible to watch. We've got some news in the NFL that we've got to get to, some quarterbacks that are disgruntled, but I feel like the only place to start for us is the Philadelphia 76ers and what they've done in their two games over the weekend with one James Harden. Because I know there are a lot of people out there that said that Daryl Morey might have gave up too much for James Harden to 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 the Brooklyn Nets. But it sure didn't look like it in the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday, and it for damn sure didn't look like it in the Garden yesterday. It's a lazy narrative to me, Chris, when people talk about what you gave up for James Harden when it comes to Daryl Morey because if you win a championship, if the Philadelphia 76 win a championship, it's going to be completely worth it. There's not going to be a soul in Philadelphia going to say, man, you guys won a championship. Man, what did you give up? You gave a two first-rounders. You gave us Seth Curry. You gave Andre Drummond. Was it worth that paradise? Hell yeah, it was worth that kind of paradise. It's a second-to-second moment each and every time in sports from now on. It's not just an NFL thing, Chris. It's in sports. And if you're Dow Murray in the Philadelphia 76ers, you brought in a James Harden that was going to be the piece to win a championship. So if you go out there and you win that chip, no one in Philadelphia is going to remember what you gave up. What are they going to remember? The parades and James Harden throwing candy into the audience and the cheesesteak brigade showing up saying all the cheesesteaks from Iskabibbles are on us. Nobody's going to talk about what you gave up if this works out the way that Philadelphia believes it's going to work out, bringing James Harden to that team from the Brooklyn Nets. Here's one of those voices that that Freddie Coleman is referencing in the immediate aftermath of the Sixers-Nets trade. Our very own Stephen A. Smith on why Daryl Morey got hosed in making the move for James Harden. Daryl Morey got hosed in this deal. He got hosed. Nobody is saying that James Harden doesn't make the 76ers better. What I'm saying is you made Brooklyn exponentially better. You gave them an all-world defender, somebody that can defend and lock down almost anybody in the league. You also needed frontline help because you were thin if you were Brooklyn. What do you do? You get Andre Drummond from the Philadelphia 76ers, who can grab 20 rebounds a night if he wanted to. By the way, Ben Simmons, get back to him. You got a situation where Kyrie Irving, again, more offensive responsibility is on his shoulders because James Harden is not there any longer, and Ben Simmons don't really want to shoot anyway, which means that's more shots for him, more shots for KD, more shots for Patty Mills, more shots for Seth Curry. We can't ignore that as well. Plus, you gave up two first-round picks. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And, Freddie, I hear everything that Stephen A. Smith is talking about. But if we're being honest with ourselves, Ben Simmons was a net zero for the Philadelphia 76ers, right? (laughs) Right. The guy had refused to play for them any longer. He wasn't going to show up. He wasn't walking back through that door this year. When he came in for training camp, he was clearly disinterested in the practices, so much so to the point where Doc Rivers decided to send that dude home. 
And we already know about the friction between him and Joel Embiid. So if you're Daryl Morey, you're evaluating the situation saying, well, I'm not going to get anything from Ben Simmons in terms of on-the-court production. Everybody knows of the rift between him and the Sixers organization. Let me see if I can get something for him. And, Mm -hmm. oh, by the way, the guy that I had a lot of success with down in Houston in James Harden, who's with the Brooklyn Nets, wants to get out of there to the point where that guy decided to sit down with a quote-unquote hamstring injury. So, for me, if you're Daryl Morey, you got rid of a net zero for somebody that's going to help elevate the play of a guy that's already the front-runner for the MVP in Joel Embiid. I love our boy Stephen A. Smith, but we're not talking about the Brooklyn Nets giving up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> we're talking about Andre Drummond. That's who they got in return. They got the third best Curry shooting guard in the family. They didn't get they didn't get Steph. They didn't get Daddy when it comes to Dell. Nothing against Steph. Not trying to denigrate him, but when people talk about what they gave up, I'm a big believer, Chris, that I fear the known. I leave the unknown alone. Yeah, I'm not worried about draft picks in the future. There's some 15 year old out there that'll be a draft pick that we know how good this guy's going to be. That the Philadelphia 76ers gave up. James Harden to me. If it works out. And the reason I'm hoping that it works out so that plenty of people gotten on James Harden can leave him alone. It's not on Harden to me to prove that he can deliver in the playoffs, but he can't have Joel and B carry everything. That can't happen. That's why James Harden is there. But let's let's lose this whole lazy narrative that they gave up too much for James Harden. Because we still don't know, Chris, when is Ben Simmons going to get on the court? And until that happens, we still don't know how it's going to fit. Now, if he's on the court, I think he's a better fit for what Brooklyn is going to do and have Mm. to do. I completely agree with that because now you don't have three alpha dogs in the building when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. But until we see Ben Simmons in the right frame of mind and the right frame of health, Chris, to be on the basketball court, that's an unknown that right now that pocket is empty. I know what the pocket looks like now with the Philadelphia 76ers. I know it's only been two games, but boy, Joel Embiid looks a lot happier, doesn't he? James Harden, his 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 cornrows a lot tighter now because they're looking good. He got the new hair did and made that work. So until you say, if you're placing all of this, and with Stephen A. Smith, Chris, if you're placing all of this that he got holes for three dudes in which one is not on the basketball court yet, the other guy is a terrific shooter, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond, he can get 20 rebounds if he wants to. If he really wanted to, he would have done it by now. I'm willing to take that risk if I'm Dal Morey and two unknowns for the possibility that James Harden's going to make my team better, especially when it counts in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think you can even argue whether or not James Harden makes them better. If you look at what he's done in the two games that they've played with him, it's unbelievable. You're talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, who, oh, by the way, already led the league in free throws attempted in games. You're talking about them shooting 80 free throws in two games. 80! 80 free throws. Yesterday, Joel Embiid was 23 or 27 from the line. So when you have a guy that's capable of being able to get the ball to the playmakers in their spots where they can do what they do best, it just makes all the heavy lifting on the offensive end easier. And you're talking about a team in the Sixers whose net rating defensively was a lot better than their net rating offensively. And now I think this team is going to get some balance on the offensive side of the court because you have a guy that opposing defenses have to account for with multiple defenders. There was one time in the game against the Knicks yesterday, Freddie, where James Harden gets to the top of the key, and you're talking about three Knicks defenders converging on him. And then you Mm -hmm. saw that there was Evan Fournier, and it was another guy, another Knicks defender, that was hedging against the shooters that were on the wing and in the corner. And that left Joel Embiid wide open on the low block, and James Harden got to him with the late fine, and it ended up resulting in an easy bucket for Joel Embiid. 
How many times have we talked about trying to find somebody Mm -hmm. that can get easy buckets for Joel Embiid? Too often he's the focal point of every opposing team's defense, and now you've got another guy that they've got to key in on on James Harden. And James Harden, he can get his buckets, but he can also get buckets for other guys. At halftime, the guy had 15 points and 10 assists. It was the first time that you had a Sixers player do that since Allen Iverson. So the fact that he finishes with a 29-point triple-double, I think that's just a sign of things to come. When when James Harden is on the floor in these two games with the Sixers, you're talking about the team, yeah. the team, Freddie, yeah. shooting 10% higher from the field. That That's the kind of impact that James Harden has. On James Harden-assisted buckets, you're talking about 68% from the field when James Harden passes the ball to those team teammates. That's the impact of James Harden on this squad. So when we start evaluating who won this trade between the Nets and the Sixers, we have to look at it through the lens of what James Harden is doing for Joel Embiid while Joel Embiid is at the height of his powers, but also what he does for the rest of that roster. This is going to be a tough out in the Eastern Conference, no doubt about it. And I I think it's unfair to say that Daryl Morey got hosed when you look at the entire picture because you don't know how healthy you're going to have Joel Embiid for for the entirety of his career. But what you do know is that he's the front runner for the MVP. And you did know that you had a guy in Brooklyn that was going to be capable of being able to take not only Joel, but the rest of this Sixers team to the next level. And so from that perspective, you got to count this as a home run by Daryl Morey. Well, I'll look at it this way. And I know two games is not a long runway to make any kind of determination. So it also helps that you had the, the Washington Generals playing defense when it comes to Minnesota Timberwolves and New York Knicks in your first two games. You could not have picked a better. You could not have picked a better foil to have this work early on to give yourselves a lot of confidence. But I will say this about the Philadelphia 76ers. in terms of looking a lot happier. Yes, but also that cloud is no longer over this basketball team. When and if is Ben Simmons is going to be back? Well, what are they going to do? When are they going to trade him? All that stuff can lead to a lot of clear air when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. Whatever he did, and we have seen it being well documented with Bill Simmons to wear out his welcome, not just with the Philadelphia 76ers, but the Philadelphia fans and the Philadelphia press. Everybody was against Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. Now you don't have to deal with that. You're the Philadelphia 76ers. This is all about moving forward, not just for Ben Simmons but for that organization. And now you're able to do that. Now you're able to be the kind of team that you believe that you should have been last year Mm -hmm. when you had a 2-1 lead in the playoffs against the Atlanta Hawks. And then, uh, unfortunately, Ben Simmons turned that great book by Richard Wright, The Invisible Man. And nobody has seen him since when it comes to Ben Simmons. And whatever acrimony happened after that, they had to move on from it. They couldn't just keep him and try to convince him that this was going to work by coming back and being tough or whatever that's going to be. He didn't want to be there. You acquiesced to his demands, Chris, and that's what they yep. did. So now you bring in James Harden, who didn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. For whatever reason, fine. Everybody's happy now. They are. They should be happy. If you're Joel Embiid, you got a guy that you can trust. No doubt about it. He and that is straight talk. And that is straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Who's the best team in the Eastern Conference? We want to hear from you. Hit us up on the call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Coming up next, Freddie and I will have our answers for you. But first, a word from Bank of America. It's game day, and you're ready to go all out. So you order the essentials to make it a success, like a jersey, a power recliner, and a bigger screen. And you use your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Rewards that put toward an essential piece of the celebration, an air horn, of course. 
Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2022 Bank of America Corporation. You're listening to Kenny and Coleman on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And, Freddie, when we look at the Eastern Conference landscape, I think there are clearly three teams that are head and shoulders above the rest. And I know that those three teams are not the top three teams in the standings. I get it. Everybody is caping for Chicago. Mm -hmm. I think that's cap. Everybody's buying into Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. As much as I love the gritness and the toughness of that team, that ain't it. The top three teams in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Brooklyn Nets. And I know with Brooklyn, it's like paying spades. We're talking about two and a possible because you got (laughs) Kyrie Irving, and let's not forget how great he is because you saw what he did Saturday night up in Milwaukee. You got Kevin Durant, who hopefully is coming back healthy, according to reports that we're seeing on social media from people that cover the team. And then you have the unknown from Ben Simmons, who Shams from The Athletic said, We're not quite sure when he's going to play, but it's doubtful that we're going to see him on that March 10th game against the Philadelphia Sixers down in Philly. So it's a situation where we don't know when you're going to have all of the pieces for the Brooklyn Nets, but whenever they do come together, that's going to be a team that, based on the talent that they have, should be considered one of the title contenders in that Eastern Conference. Maybe because they're the best player in the world. When it comes to Kevin Durant, and when he, he's the best player in the Ooh. world, I know he's been injured. Ooh. But when that dude is doing his thing, nobody can deal with him in the NBA when he's doing his thing. Name anybody that can stop him from doing what he wants to do and be that efficient as a scorer when it comes to Kevin Durant. So if he comes back even reasonably healthy, that guy is going to be a problem in the Eastern Conference because he is uh, he is an impossible guard. But I will say this: you mentioned the Chicago Bulls with Kevin Durant being out right now. They have the best closer in the East when it comes to DeMar DeRozan. I call him mm. the finisher right now because the other night, two dudes ran at him. He looked two dudes in the face and said, you know what? I'm going to hit you what I like to call the stuffed animal shot. The shot he made at the carnival, Chris, you can yep. get any stuffed animal you want. You get the big pink rabbit. You get the big <laughs> blue bear, whatever that is. Right now, he, right now, he is the best closer in the Eastern Conference. Wow. But in terms of that team, I still have concerns about the Chicago Bulls. I know Zach Levine is going to play well. I know Billy Donovan is going to coach well. But when you haven't done it together, when you have not been able to go through those wars a little bit as a playoff team, maybe the best thing for the Bulls, Chris, is that they can't be afraid of what they don't know. They can't fear what they have not gone through together to just go out there and play basketball. But you're going to run into teams that have been there, whether it's the Bucks, the Heat, the Nets, the 76ers. You're going to run into teams that have, that have either been on the right side or the wrong side of that playoff experience, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a little bit of a gold coin that the Chicago Bulls, even with DeMar DeRozan playing that well down the stretch, they don't have that right now with this basketball team. Well, Freddie C., I'm going to push back on you. I, I'm not sure that DeRozan is the second-best closer in the Eastern Conference. I, I think that belongs to James Harden in Philadelphia, but I know that's just a matter of preference. The thing I will say with DeMar DeRozan, he wasn't the closer yesterday when he was playing against the Memphis Grizzlies. That was John Morant, but oh, we ain't yeah. got to take we yeah. ain't got to take it there today. We no, talk no, about no, the Eastern no, Conference. Yeah. No, you can take it there, but John Morant's special. There's no. no doubt about that. Well, yeah, that 46 yeah. points yeah. he dropped yeah. would suggest right. so. Yeah, but in it, the United Center. Yeah, but it but takes it look- a Demar, but it takes a John Morant to do that to keep Demar Derozan from closing. Because sure. if John Morant has 30 points, what are we talking about? Demar Derozan closing out somebody else again before he got the technical fouls and got kicked out of the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. But in looking at the Eastern Conference, I just don't think the Bulls have enough firepower, even with DeRozan, when you compare it to the Milwaukee Bucks, when you can tear, compare it to what the Brooklyn Nets can march out there when they're healthy. And then, of course, that pick and roll between James Harden and Joel Embiid. They just don't have enough. Now, my biggest concern with the Sixers is them being able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any okay. concerns with what they do on the court. It's just a matter of do they have enough depth to be able to keep all of their guys that they're going to need in their rotation and playing at a high level. Because if you look at that game against the Knicks yesterday, their bench got outscored by Emmanuel quickly. That ain't a good place to be if you're the Philadelphia 76ers. So I get it, James Harden and Joel Embiid. You want to develop that chemistry. You want them to log heavy minutes early on so they can get comfortable in their new roles respectively. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the starters on that team, Thibault and Maxi. Um, and then and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and uh, Maxi, all, all those dudes, those, those guys have got to be comfortable. So I get it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you got to make sure you balance that out with making sure that those guys have fresh legs when the games matter the most. Here's our very own Tim Legler on why he thinks the Sixers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. I would probably still say Philadelphia for me is, is probably the team to beat because you're talking about the, the most potent offensive combination in the league. Because they completely overwhelm you physically. You take a look at what happened yesterday. How are you beating a team when you give up 44 free throws and 27 to one player? You're not winning games like that. And he's not going to shoot 27 free throws every night. But the combination of the two of them, the way they can control the game and the way that they can pound you on that end of the floor, and, and they, they, they put guys on the bench in foul trouble. They're in the bonus so early in every single quarter. And they can both beat you on every platform. They can beat you in the paint. They can beat you from deep. They can beat you at the line. They can beat you as playmakers. And that's probably the most impressive part for me, Freddie, is the fact that these guys can beat you a lot of different ways. And when you watch this offense, especially in half-court sets, the ball moves an awfully lot. And that that wasn't the case before James Harden got there. Yesterday you had 20, 28 assists mm-hmm. on 38 makes. Okay. Like that that's that's what that's what you want to have when you're talking about a formula for success. Everybody being involved, especially on the offensive end, everybody touching the ball, yeah. because that brings a different level when you start talking about the energy on the defensive end. They were able to force 18 turnovers on the Knicks that led to 22 points. So that's the formula for success if you're Doc Rivers. That's how his teams have always had success. Now you've got that piece offensively that makes everything easier for all of those guys, including Joel Embiid. Well, the one team that can combat that to me is the Milwaukee Bucks because they're long enough to combat that when it comes to Philadelphia 76ers. They can throw a lot of long defenders and good defenders at James Harden. You can throw Giannis at him. You can throw Drew Holiday at him. Mm-hmm. You also can throw uh, the guy that gets underrated, Chris Middleton, at him. You can throw so many different looks, especially in modern basketball and pace and space basketball, where you can have long defenders make it a very tough time for them to get around those guys. And they can put their arms up and make it tougher shots for them, make it harder passes for them to kick out the people. And also, the Bucks have done it. They understand exactly what it is to try to defend a guy like James Harden. They had to try to do it because the shorter version of him when it came to Trey Young last year, the Atlanta Hawks. Now, James Harden's a better version. There's no doubt about that. He's a taller yep. version. But if you yep. got enough long defenders, you can make it a lot harder on a James Harden and a Joel Embiid. And also, Serge Ibaka is going to be a key piece for the Bucks down the stretch. Now you got two seven-footers. When you got Serge Ibaka and Brooke Lopez that he will have to deal with and won't make it easy on him to make that work. No doubt about it. So we'll, we'll see how this all plays out down the stretch in the regular season. Andre in Massachusetts, hang tight. We're going to get to you on the other side of the break. But coming up next, 
Kyler Murray is employing some of the same strategies that we've seen from quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. We'll tell you why this situation might be treated a little bit differently. You're listening to Freddie Coleman and Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Oh, yeah, Freddie. See, that, that, that bump back music is genius. And, of course, I'm referencing the documentary on Netflix from one Kanye West. This is ESPN Radio, Freddie Coleman, Chris Canny. We're also on E Plus and Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter, at Coleman ESPN, at Chris Canny 99. And, Freddie, the fiancé and I did indulge in the Kanye West documentary, uh-huh. Genius, uh-huh. the two episodes that were actually out. I will say this, without trying to spoil it for anybody that's out there, definitely worth the three-hour investment of your time. That That is prime-time content for viewing, especially on a weekend. So okay. I would encourage you to uh, to take a watch at that, take a gander at that, but then also look at the memes on social media when it comes to <laughs> what Sixers fans are putting out there about Daryl Morey and James Harden saying that they're teeing up the documentary as well because they feel like this is the beginning of a special storybook type ending season for them and their team and with ambitions of winning a title for the first time since the early 80s so i I would say this the philadelphia sixers are definitely in the conversation they're on the short list of teams in the eastern conference that can get it done but they're going to have some serious competition to contend with when it comes to the best in the east with the milwaukee bucks and also with the brooklyn nets let's go out to massachusetts and bring on andre andre you're on espn radio Yes, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. I definitely have the Milwaukee Bucks in that conversation because they're tried and true based on what happened last year. But I can't put the Brooklyn Nets in the top three. And the reason being is because you have an enigma in this man, Ben Simmons, who, yes, we know the talent, the athleticism, the defensive capabilities, but when you don't dunk that basketball from point-blank range (laughs) and you have no pedigree to speak of before that – I can't trust him like I do with Kevin Durant. We already know what he's made from based on what he did last year in the playoffs. So Kyrie, even though he's eccentric and money time, he's a bucket getter. I feel confident. Kevin Durant, no question. First ballot Hall of Famer, top 10. But Ben Simmons, that is, you know, and I'm not sure. And then back to Philadelphia, what, what, what makes me so confident. James Harden has had his best years under Daryl Morey's leadership. That's my view. Daryl Morey is the one that brought in Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni moved James Harden to the one. The rest is history. Here's the deal with that. and He makes very fair points, but it's not about trusting Ben Simmons, Chris, in New York because they're not going through the Brooklyn Nets. They have two guys that can do that. Mm -hmm. And that could be the best thing for Ben Simmons, that that pressure will not be on him the way it was in Philadelphia where they were expecting that he would have to be the Robin to the Batman that was Joel Embiid. He doesn't have to worry about that now. There's already a Batman and Robin with the Brooklyn Nets. He can be the Green Lantern. He can be the Ant. He can be whatever he wants. He can be part of the Justice League and not have that pressure on him. I think that could be a better fit in the future, but right now the jury is still out because we still don't know when Ben Simmons will be on the basketball court. Yeah, and I think pressure is a good word to use because there's pressure on James Harden in Philadelphia to deliver in a way that we haven't seen him in his career in the postseason, and there's pressure on Ben Simmons to make it work because he wanted out of Philly, and now he's got to step up to the plate and deliver with a team that certainly has the parts to compete for a championship, but... We've also got to talk about somebody that's under pressure in the desert, Freddie. Mm. And this is a different sport. We're going to make the hard left turn and go to the NFL because 
we got a young quarterback that's making some waves, and it's Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals, and we know that this has been a very drawn-out public drama, and it just took it to another level with Kyler Murray's agent, Eric Burkhart, releasing a statement on Monday that detailed the contract proposal to the Cardinals, but also talked about the need for getting a contract extension done, that that in order to consistently compete for championships, the franchise needs long-term stability at the quarterback spot, which Kyler Murray is offering them to have. Now, the Cardinals have to make a decision on his fifth-year option this offseason, but Kyler Murray wants the team to make a financial commitment to him long-term. Now, this is what I will say. The Bidwells and the Arizona Cardinals organization haven't traditionally or historically been one of those franchises that have provided players with the infrastructure that's necessary in order to compete at the highest levels consistently. And that's a fancy way of saying they've been cheap. And that's <laughs> something that every NFL player understands. And so if you're <laughs> Kyler Murray, knowing that this team was a three-win club when you got there and has made incremental improvement each of the first three seasons you've been there, got two Pro Bowls under your belt in the playoff appearance this year, I, I can see a world where Kyler Murray understands his leverage yeah. and is using that to exercise that this offseason in order to get the financial security that he's looking for because he's getting paid $5.5 million this year, and that's grossly underplay, underpaid for a top-end starter in the National Football League. You know what Kyler Murray wants to avoid, Chris? What's that? He wants to avoid being Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Ooh. Here's what I mean by that. Look at the situation Baker Mayfield is in right now where so many expectations, and now he's going into the final year of his contract – He didn't try to push the issue that we've seen from Kyler Murray right now, that we've seen from Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, by him not trying to push that issue because Cleveland would have paid him. There's no doubt about that, especially after they won a playoff game. They gave Kansas all they could handle in that playoff game before Kansas was able to win that ball game and go into another Super Bowl the season before this one. Kyler Murray looking at that situation thinking, you know what, if I wait too long, when I know what I've been able to do with this franchise, five wins my rookie year, eight wins my second year, 11 wins my third year, and a playoff berth. He wants to make sure that I'm not going to go into a potential fifth year of a rookie contract, and then they have the leverage by putting all the pressure on me, let's say if things don't go well in 2022. He does not want to have happen to him what's going on with Baker Mayfield right now. Because to your point, he's seen what Josh Allen got of the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. He sees what Lamar Jackson is going to get from the Baltimore Ravens. He's seen what Patrick Mahomes with that extension he's going to get from the Kansas City Chiefs. And he looks at Baker Mayfield and goes, uh-uh, I do not want to put myself in that situation. They changed an entire offense and organization for me. Why would I not think I had that kind of leverage that I could use to make sure that everybody gets what they want, but especially me, and I get what I want to continue to help this football team? Well, I'm glad you bring that up about them changing the organization for Kyler Murray because the year prior to him being drafted, you're talking about – them investing a top 10 pick in a quarterback and having a first-year head coach, and they decided to fire both of them, which is the definition of having a dysfunctional franchise. Now, it just so happens to work out with the coach and quarterback tandem that you decided to pivot to, but that doesn't mean that the way that you got to your decision isn't dysfunctional and isn't unbecoming of what we would call model franchises. And so when you look at the Arizona Cardinals and you evaluate where they're at, without Kyler Murray – This team would be relegated to being a team that was on the outside looking into the playoffs or, at best, a wild card type of team. But but you're talking about being on the low end of that spectrum versus where they were at this year, uh, a team that was fighting for the number one seed going into the month of December. So I I look at Kyler Murray's situation 
as I would look at any other NFL player situation, when you have leverage, Mm -hmm. every NFL player understands this. Your next play could be your last. And so when you get leverage on a team, you absolutely have to exercise it. And one of the ways that we say that, Freddie, in the locker room is when you get the hammer, you better swing it. Because (laughs) it's not a lot of times where you have that opportunity. And if you're Kyler Murray, knowing that you play quarterback, knowing that by withholding your services, you can derail Arizona's season before it even gets started, to me, that's enough for the Arizona Cardinals and their general manager, Steve Kime, to move closer to his position on trying to work out something. Now, whether or not they come to an agreement, uh, that's neither here nor there. But to actually engage and have the conversation, I think you have to do that because it's always about maintaining the relationship when it comes to these quarterbacks. And this guy's 24 years old. Exactly. So this is this is a guy that you could have, in theory, for the next dozen years playing quarterback at a high level for you. Kyler Murray, before he got hurt, was a dark horse MVP candidate. That's how good he was. And he's only going to get better. When teams have young quarterbacks – that produce at that level, they usually lock them up. Look at what the Buffalo Bills did last season. They locked they locked Josh Allen up to the tune of six years, $258 million. That's $43 million a year. Now, if Kyler Murray wants to get paid, uh, you know he has to understand there are concessions that you have to make with the club in terms of the structure of the deal, but this is absolutely something that Steve Kime and them should get done sooner rather than later. Well, if they don't get it done sooner rather than later, we've seen that if Kyler Murray doesn't like something, he's going to start scrubbing his whole social media page of anything regarding the Arizona Cardinals. He has let it be known when he's unhappy, he's going to deal with unhappiness, Chris, as a 21st century quarterback. Yeah, It should be a lot easier for Kyler Murray to say, hey, guys, this is what I understand what I need to have happen, or this is why I'm unhappy. And whatever got his nose sideways – he did not hesitate, Chris, after the Pro Bowl to say, I want to be done with the Cardinals. And then I don't know if somebody got next to him or he got next to himself to say, you know what, that's not the way to go about it. I'm going to have myself in a Cardinals jersey. This is not what I'm all about. I didn't want this situation to happen, even though he brought this situation to the table. But if you're Kyler Murray, you put this out there about your unhappiness. Yep. It, whatever the Cardinals react now you got to start discussing like adults. It can't just be played out on social media. It can't be played out with he said and she said. He, you got to go in and be the he said to make sure that everybody gets what they want, but especially you, Kyler Murray, because you put this out there and made this public about your potential and happiness wanting to stay with the Arizona Cardinals. Here's what I will say, Freddie C. The tone that a lot of people are reacting to with this Kyler Murray news is a lot different than the tone that we see them react to when it comes to other signal callers in the National Football League. And I just got to ask why. I know we're going to revisit this topic. We got plenty of time to get into this a little bit more. But that's the question that I got to tee up. Why are we treating Kyler Murray a little bit differently when it comes to his demands versus the demands of other quarterbacks around the National Football League? We'll get to that. But coming up next, mandates in New York appear to be changing in the near future. We'll explain how that impacts a certain player (laughs) on the Brooklyn Nets. You're listening to Coleman and Canny on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It's Kenny and Coleman on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tap in on the Candy call in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Tune into ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. Presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily. Available wherever you enjoy your podcast. So, Freddie C., we did get some news coming out of the tri-state area as it pertains to the Brooklyn Nets and the vaccine mandate. 
after the performance that Kyrie put on in Milwaukee, everybody wants to know when this dude can become a full-time player. And that led to New York City Mayor Eric Adams, I should say newly installed New York City Mayor Eric Adams, commenting on the status of Kyrie. And he says, and I quote, Listen, I want Kyrie on the court. I would do anything to get that ring so badly. I want it. But there's so much at stake here, and I spoke to the owner of the team. We want to find a way to get Kyrie on the court, but this is bigger. This is a bigger issue. I can't have my city closed down again. It would send the wrong message just to have an exception for one player when we're telling countless number of New York City employees, if you don't follow the rules, you won't be able to be employed. Now, this, of course, referring to some of the mandates that have been around the city in New York when it comes to employees that are, you know, contracted with the city and wearing masks and being in public areas, having to be vaccinated, so on and so forth. Now, Eric Adams last week intimated that the mask mandate when it comes to indoor areas, when it comes to arenas, when it comes to certain restaurants, might be on the verge of being relaxed, but we haven't gotten there yet. So the question now becomes, when are we going to see Kyrie Irving full-time as a Brooklyn Nets player, and is it going to come in time enough for this team to improve their seating so they can invo- avoid the play-in tournament altogether and get ready for the postseason? My bigger question is, is Eric Adams going to play point guard? Because apparently that if they win, he gets a ring. I guess he's concerned <laughs> about that. Because he, he put it out there. He said, I would do anything to get that ring. I did not realize the mayor of New York City was going to be the other point guard for the Brooklyn Nets. Now that James Harden's not even there. So that's breaking news from Eric Adams when it comes to that standpoint. But th- he's going to be on the court sooner or later because with all the mandates that are starting to be relaxed or eliminated, that was a clear mess from Eric Adams to not people in New York City, Chris. That was going up to Albany, to the governor to say, really, why are we playing fast and loose? And how many times have we seen that line get blurred between politics and sports, especially when somebody wants an agenda to be filled? And that's where this comes down to. I'm not going to say Eric Adams shouldn't feel that way because he wants his Brooklyn Nets from his borough. BK all day, every day, Chris. He wants the Brooklyn Nets to matter that much, and they can matter a little bit more by winning a championship. Yeah. So this is a message to Albany. This is not a message to the five boroughs. This is not a message to anywhere like Nathan's or anywhere in Brooklyn. Uh, (laughs) This is a message to Governor Hockle to say, hey, we need this guy. Relax these mandates and give our team a fair shot, especially with Philadelphia making that trade for James Harden. He does not want the Brooklyn Nets to get left behind when it comes to a championship. Well, yeah, he'd be the person that they blame for this, right? Continuing to hang this vaccine mandate over all of the employees of the city of New York, but then also over one of the teams that happens to be the more interesting of all Mm -hmm. of the pro sports franchises, um, given the current state of New York sports. So, yeah, Eric Adams has a lot of eyes and ears on him, and especially with some of the negative headlines early on in his tenure, this could be setting up for an easy win for him. But the one thing I will appreciate that he said, and this is, of course, on his appearance on CNBC, he did acknowledge that the rule that's in place now doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And we heard Commissioner Adam Silver reference this a couple of weeks ago, how it didn't make sense that visiting players in Barclays Center, if they weren't vaccinated Mm -hmm. could still participate exactly whereas Kyrie Irving couldn't because you're you're talking about you know the opposing team getting a competitive advantage a competitive edge against the home team where it doesn't necessarily help in terms of the mitigation of spread of the virus because you're talking about somebody that's not vaccinated being in that space so from that standpoint it didn't make any sense but I do appreciate Eric Adams acknowledging the fact 
that that that's something that they have to adjust, they have to look at. But coming up next, we'll have somebody that's a little closer to it. Christian Winfield gets us up to date on everything happening in Brooklyn. You're listening to ESPN Radio.